Thanks for tuning in to the CoLive podcast, where we explore learnings, insights, and discussions with co-living operators and professionals from around the world. If you're a first-time listener on our podcast, just a quick reminder that CoLive is the world's largest co-living association with the goal to connect, educate, and empower co-living professionals. Today's episode has been recorded during one of our monthly meetups, where we discuss a wide variety of topics related to co-living. To join our network or find out about future meetups and other events, please visit colive.org. That's C-O-L-I-V.org. Let's hop right in to today's episode. Uh, Allah, uh, to you. <laughs> uh, thank you, Nikita. I'm Allah. Uh, I'm one of the three uh, colive ambassadors for Russia. As you can see, it's me, Nikita, and Sergey. Uh, and we are very proud to be hosting this discussion today uh, because... Really, um, the question of whether there are any, any written standards or, or definitions in the co-living industry is quite a hot question currently in Russia as well. Uh, I've been with the hospitality industry from 2016 when I started my own uh, network of um, hostels, mainly in Moscow, for young, talented people who come who came and who are still coming to Moscow either to study or to find a new job or just to, as they call, conquer the great city. Um, as it happened later on, we found out that what we are running is rather a network of uh, co-livings than the hostels. The, the difference is that just uh, several people live together in one room rather uh, opposed to a standard understanding of a co-living where each was each one has his own uh, living space. Uh, and uh, most of my activities recently have been um, helping and consulting other hospitality um, members of the industry how to convert their existing property into eco-living because this issue is very hot and um, very popular in Russia, or to convert a former office space into some kind of a co-living space uh, for different uh, types of workers, uh, students, etc. So today's issue is very important uh, for me personally, as I would try to get some answers to the questions I have about the um, standards and my uh, existing and potential clients already have about the industry. So let's try to find out if there are any uh, written standards or established standards that could help us both understand what a co-living is. Thank you, Sergey, back to you. Uh, thank you, guys. And uh, I think that our uh, topic of uh, today's meeting is very uh, important. And uh, I think it's the first of uh, the series of such uh, meetings because we uh, want to show the uh, wide variety of uh, models uh, and types of uh, co-livings. I believe that there is no one standard, no one true co-living. Uh, and uh, it's very important for residents, for operators and for partners to understand this variety. And uh, I'm happy that uh, today's uh, speakers are uh, very bright uh, people from bright companies will uh, uh, help us uh, to see this variety and will be the first who show a um, very professional view on this uh, subject. So I uh, want to uh, introduce uh, Olga. Uh, she's uh, uh, vice president of uh, Bekar Asset Management, and she's and her comment uh, making the biggest co-living in Russia and maybe in Europe. And she will describe what they are doing in this way, as well as uh, the great researches of the market uh, uh, that they do in Russia. Yes, thank you very much, Sergey, and. Uh, Good afternoon or good morning, good evening to everybody again. It's really, really uh, interesting to me to participate in this event for the first time. So I will share my screen to just to start with my presentation. Just a second. Um, is everything okay? Yeah. 
Tell me somebody. Yeah. Yes. Is he? Okay. Yes. Super. Perfect. So, uh, yes, I will tell you um, several words about us and our projects and about market data. And I will explain later why there is such a funny picture on my first page. Uh, so, who we are, uh, just very briefly. Um, Bikar Asset Management, really, really old company for the Russian market, uh, almost 30 years. And we started from um, traditional commercial real estate like office buildings and shopping malls, uh, managing and owing and um, facility management, property management. Mm -hmm. But then about 10 years ago, we felt the wind of changes <laughs> and um, our owner understood that uh, hospitality market and um, in particular, um, uh, apart hotels, apartments, and all the versions of this kind of uh, market is very prospective for um, Russian market. And we uh, started our first uh, hotel project in St. Petersburg. It was open in August uh, 2014. And it, it is existing and it is working um, and we hope will work for the many, many years. Uh, Vertical, this is our brand uh, and for now it is um, network. Uh, and uh, we have opened uh, one more vertical in September 2020, very hard time, but we did it. And uh, the third one, uh, vertical, but premium segment, just uh, one month ago in July, in June, in the end of June, in Moscow. And we also are building now the largest one in uh, St. Petersburg, more than 100,000 uh, square meters. Uh, and I will tell you about it a bit, a little bit later. And also, we are building uh, a living in uh, Dubai. It's very also interesting project. I will tell you. So we are young for the hospitality market, but uh, competent and old for uh, commercial real estate market. And these two um, size of our competences are helping us to build very successful business. So about Kaliving and what Allah told uh, that we have different definitions in our heads, everybody inside of the market, outside of the market understand by Kaliving something very personal. But anyway, how we define what Kaliving is. So yes, separate room for every residence, very important and one of the most significant difference from hostel or hotel market. Of course, there should be very good infrastructure uh, for common use, kitchen, um, um, some sport or gyms, uh, co-working, cafes, bars, and so on. maybe disco room, conference room, everything. Um, community is very important for cleaning. We need to have a good atmosphere, good, um, good, 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 good um, everything good inside. So people should uh, feel uh, everybody uh, should feel um, uh, that they are not alone. And it depends on managing company, on the community manager very much. Uh, as a consequence, joint events, dinners, suppers, uh, brunches, parties, uh, some uh, studies, trainings, and so on. And of course, uh, not everybody can live in, in a co-living, in every co-living. So the selection uh, of residents is very important and almost all the co-livings in the world do that, including us. Um, what is a typical living? It's a very good question. And this is not our own opinion here in this, um, in this page. This is what uh, uh, the market tells us. So this average data for the whole market in the world. The typical living is a part of a chain. So almost 98% uh, of the uh, livings in the world are in network networks. Then, um, Living should be located in a very large city, normally a million people city. It's um, a little bit more than 1,020 square meters, and one unit in a living is 21 square meters. I should say that uh, a couple of years ago, it was like 19 square meters. So now it is a little bit more for two, for two, for two square meters. Then the average um, 
staying in a living for one residence is 12 months. Before it was six and before it was one month. So the, um, the period is longer and longer with every year. Rental price is a little bit more than $800. And it was higher before the pandemic situation, but it is getting better right now. I will show you the dynamics later. Um, in one property in the world, in average, uh, for now, live 28 residents. So not really much, but anyway. And who are they? It's 22 or till 35 years old people, very creative, very professional, very flexible. And uh, um, they live in motion, they are digital nomads, they work uh, from every point of the world. They travel actually every day, almost every day. Uh, some figures, um, 5,300 properties in the world. It's very large number. And it's 53% um, uh, more than it was one year ago. So in the very beginning of pandemic, it was uh, um, less, much less. Um, the most of the uh, objects are located in Asia. Well, it's not secret and India uh, is on the first place, on the first stage. And uh, it's uh, 220 living apparatus and 260,000 pets. Um, for the figures uh, about prices, as I told you, it's uh, uh, 800, almost $20, and it's 8% more than three months ago, although it is still less uh, than it was uh, one year and a half in the January of last year. The highest rates are in Northern America, the lowest rates are in Asia, and it is also because of India and uh, the objects that are located there. Occupancy is extremely high, it's 88%. And uh, I should say also that um, in the last year, summer and autumn, when it, is, was, it, it was really, really hard for hotels, for normal hotels, especially for four and five stars, uh, the occupancy was not lower than 70, 74% around the world on the market. And it was really, really good parameter, really, really good for, for the business and for the um, for the faith of developers in this uh, market segment. That's why we also uh, invest to it. Um, average unit, as I told you, it's 21 square meters. And if we include infrastructure to the total volume of found property, it's 41 square meters per one resident. So it's almost double more for the infrastructure. Uh, yeah, here are some uh, brands that you of course know that are existing in the market at the moment. And for the Russian market, I need to say that uh, it is very, very beginning. Um, even it is if, if even if we work and you guys work and everybody works on the living market in Russian, it is still a very very small child. So um, approximately we have now up to one thousand uh, objects in Russia, and rental prices are much lower than uh, around the world. It's um, about three hundred and seventy dollars dollars per room. As for our projects, I will tell you about three, the main ones. Uh, the first one, as, as I told you, the largest one in uh, St. Petersburg and maybe in Russia and maybe some someday in Europe, is a project located on Arjunikidze Street in St. Petersburg. And it is under construction now. We are going to open the part uh, which is referring to Kaliving. This is the building number two with our brand Yuko in uh, 2023. The first building of this project is um, international brand Ramadan Core by Wyndham. Uh, and we think that the combination of different brands and different concepts in one large extremely large project is, uh, is a key success factor. The next three uh, buildings will be also cleaving, but we are still arguing inside of our company what kind of specialization it will be. So this is for millennials, for young people, for Z generation, 
which go after millennials. Uh, what will be for these two, these three buildings? It's um, well, the time will show. Okay, I will say like that. Then Dubai. This is our um, ambitious project. I will say uh, we bought uh, this land plot five years ago. Yes, four or five years ago, and uh, we were considering what to build on it. There were different uh, concepts, but we decided to make. Uh, the chain of our UCO livings and we built a um, very good, nice three buildings um, object with the 20, uh, the 252 units, and we are going to open it in October, maybe November, the latest in Dubai. So if you are in Dubai in this moment, please come to us. Uh, we will send you the invitation, uh, and uh, this is extremely affordable living for young people. The idea is the same as in St. Petersburg. And we have a swimming pool and lunch area on the roof, so it will be very, very modern and very, very, uh, you know, young uh, atmosphere there. And uh, about project in St. Petersburg, one more. Uh, I would say it is kind of tricky project, tricky in a very good sense, uh, because uh, on the very first stage of its creation, it is a lifestyle three stars hotel and um, the concept didn't change up to the beginning of the last year but then uh, everything uh, changed with the coming of COVID but we needed to open it extremely uh, without any um, delay because of the investors and we decided to uh, correct the concept of this property from normal lifestyle short stay uh, hotel to normal lifestyle long stay living and we opened it and then we had a combination of 30% uh, of short stay and 70% of long stay uh, residents inside of it because this uh, that was the best solution for the moment and um, we will have the financial results by end of September that will be one year of a operational life on this of this hotel and we will see um, was it correct or not but I can feel it right now that it was correct uh, it was the right decision uh, why we um, why we decided to make it um, as a living after building it because we had very good planning decision the planning decision of this particular hotel is very close to the planning decision of normal living that's why it was really possible to make it uh, like a living in operational life. We have a uh, very good social in infrastructure inside of the object. We have a um, cinema. We have very good bar, uh, which is uh, a uh, which is um, reception at the same time. Uh, very good design of the rooms, uh, kind of Russian design, and um, particular uh, target audience. Uh, uh, young people, young travelers, uh, bloggers, uh, I don't know, some people with uh, uh, rose uh, hair and so on. Very, very strange sometimes, but still. And we have a lot of parties there, parties and studies and English studies and uh, psychology studies, uh, lectures of uh, urbanistic people and so on. But parties is one of the um, brightest event that we have there. That's why on the first page I have this kind of picture. Wow! Because um, it's kind of disco for young people and um, living for young people, everything together. In St. Petersburg there is no such, such a hotel um, at the moment. So we are very proud of it. We are very proud of our uh, managing company that is doing um, these great things on the subject. That's all for the moment. I'm ready to answer the questions if you have. And Thank silence. And silence. <laughs> I love the front of the friendly bar. It's so yes. cute. Yes. Yes. I am a I am such a I, I love branding, fonts, all of that sort of thing. I think it just makes such a big difference in how people perceive something a lot. 
Yeah. Yes, that's true. It's very popular uh, among the young people, even just for coming there, just to, to have a drink, even for local people. I mean, just to, to, to spend some time there, even not living there. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> Olga. Um, Olga, you, you mentioned that you work with the influencers and bloggers. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, how do you how do you usually work with them? Do you you attract them to live in your place, or is it some marketing partnerships, or what do you usually do? Yes, uh, well, first of all, we have an Instagram account. <laughs> That's very important because uh, we didn't put any uh, ruble, any dollar in this Instagram account, but it has already more than ten thousand people in subscribers, and. Um, uh, we uh, have cooperation with bloggers. I'm not sure about these definitions in Instagram um, promotion. Sorry, I'm not a, um, a professional in this. But we are inviting them to live in our hotel, to write about our hotel, to participate in our events. They are writing something, making uh, uh, direct uh shooting and so on so uh yes they write a lot about us without any money just because it is interesting okay christian you you, you are asking something or yeah, I just I was just interested. Uh, I mean, you mentioned so many uh, important things: uh, building communities, um, uh, building around people, uh, helping people. You basically also talk us through how your creation phase, so the phase before uh, a tenant or a member will join your yeah. house, is basically validated. Uh, how big is the team? I mean, what is uh, the um, um, what is, how does the team look like um, in terms of size and uh, qualification? You mean our hospitality company? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, the, the, how big is the team? That's a very good question because in general, Vicar has about 5,000 people mm -hmm. and staff, but of course not all of them in hospitality. I guess about 100 people, but it's including facility management team. Uh, and... Um, I know the average uh, age. <laughs> I know it's uh, 33 years old, so it's quite a young team because it is very important to understand the target audience on the same level. Um, yeah, I guess that my, maybe my connected question to this one is: um, once you have selected to be more co-living um, type of application, mm -hmm. um, how did it change? I mean, maybe the you already answered by the average of the age uh, yes. yeah. of, um, people working with you, but um, how did it change for you to maybe add or did, didn't you change uh, the setup of um, the amount of people at all? Because you just figured out maybe how to use technology in a more efficient way to have also time to build the community with your community managers. I mean, did it change? Of course, it, it changed a lot. Mm -hmm. well, young people <laughs> changed almost everything, including Instagram, promotion, uh, some ideas, some events, some parties, uh, everything, including the way of communication inside. When you go in, you see well, different faces, smiles, and you feel like, I don't know, I, I'm feeling they're like 15 years old when I'm there. So... Yeah, team changes everything. Thank you, Olga. In, not I mean, <laughs> Yes. I mean, I would be definitely interested, I think, for those who maybe um, would like to change their concept, what is the ratio uh, you have in mind of people? Um, I mean, do you have something in mind? What's the ratio of, of uh, people working, considering the people staying with you? So is there... A one to five tenant well, well it's hard question to me at the moment sorry christian i don't yeah. know that. i mean no pressure thanks okay. but thanks for your answers thank you olga thank you christian uh, olga um i have a small question following christian's question um as far as i understand uh, you have 
you are systematically running the community management. Mm-hmm. Um, does it mean that you have a dedicated manager who is um, inventing or following or organizing events for the living residents? Yes, of course. We have a separate um, person for, for that. Yes. You know, please share just some short insights of on what they're doing, because this is the person uh, on whom the part of the success depends. Maybe just a few glimpses of what, what the activities do these community managers uh, do. Um, if you subscribe for our Instagram, you will see okay. that every, uh, every day there is uh, something is happening. So I even cannot describe you what this person does every day. I just know that um, he, yes, he. That, that, uh, that it, one, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's an account on Instagram in our chat. Yes, I will send it. Yeah, just that everyone can. Yeah, I will ask all the questions and I will send it. Yeah. Thank you. It's very active, really, really very active and very interesting. Even even if you don't live there, very funny, very sense of humor. Great, that's great. Mm-hmm. I like especially your uh, the the flexibility of the company who managed to uh, convert to a more. Uh, maybe the right word is modern concept so quickly with the changing situation. It's just brilliant and a great success. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Yeah, it was really hard at the very beginning. Yes, thank you. We were a little bit afraid what to do, but but then we made the right decision. Thank you all. So here we are, the Colive community to support you in your future ventures. There are so many uh, experienced specialists here in every aspect. You can find uh, any consulting you need or any any suggestion or any help here within the Colleague community. So welcome. That's very important. Support is very important, extremely when it is hard. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Olga. Thank you, uh, and um, I have a, one last question. Uh, uh, how do you think what uh, small not network links can uh, bring to the ecosystems from the from your experience? What small network can bring to ecosystems? Small non-network. Uh, oh, small not not network. It's a tricky question, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe that uh, the future of Kalivings is still for the networks. And if it's not network Kalivings, then it should be very creative for, um, for the concept. But for ecosystem, I don't know even. We mean it work or die? Uh, well, I don't like the word die. Uh, but still, our experience uh, has shown to us that everything is working if uh, there are several properties, brands, several objects inside. Uh, there is an economy for expenses. Uh, there are some, um, some sharing of ideas, sharing of personnel, of stuff, uh, of digital products. So... Well, I'm not telling the word die, but they should think about joining somebody, some network. Okay, thank you. And Lena Rancevich has a question. Uh, Lena, can you uh, sound it or should I tell this by myself? In the chat, there was a question. How many rooms types do you have inside the building and what's this area and ratio between different sizes? if we are talking about vertical, B and I, uh, the last one, so we have uh, 658 rooms there and uh, approximately uh, 60% of them are small ones, small uh, from 14 till uh, 20 square meters, so like like a um, studio, but it's not studio, it's a hotel room. And the others one, uh, ones are divided into family rooms. And we have also several um, hostel rooms, only several, uh, eight ones with capsules inside. 
so for the eight uh, persons for team uh, for team living uh, so uh, the area of uh, small rooms from 14 to 20 the family rooms from 20 to 30 and the capsules rooms are as far as I remember about 24 25 square meters Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, Olga, I know you have a uh, next uh, meeting and we yes, should uh, uh, say you goodbye. Thank you very big. Thank you for uh, your experience, for your presentation. Wish you good luck and I hope we will uh, meet again soon here in yeah, uh, Kolyiv. I hope so. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'll write now Instagram and then leave. Thank you. Yeah. I also put your contact details in the chat anyway, uh, yeah. your LinkedIn and also the page of the company on LinkedIn. But if you want to put your email or anything else, please feel free to do so too. Okay. I'm and we'll speak very soon. Thank you so much thank you, thank you. for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So uh, next, I would uh, like to invite Matthew. Uh, he's a brilliant expert and uh, he made a very interesting presentation and I hope we will uh, understand now which is uh, maybe opposite uh, view on the wider, wider view on what is the Caliban world is. Cool. Thank you, Sergey, and thanks for the invitation. Hello, everyone. Nice to see some, some familiar faces and some new faces. Um, so, yeah, I'll just kind of get straight into the presentation, maybe give a quick introduction of myself. Um, and, yeah, as, as Sergey said, I may take a little more of like a bird's eye perspective of, of what is, what is co-living, what is shared living. Uh, and it's just really based on different research that I've been doing for, for clients and also um, for other kind of industry bodies uh, and, and some of the uh, kind of digital publications that I'm working on. So um, just, just real quickly, uh, who am I? So I uh, am one of the founding team members at CoLive and currently part of the executive board at at CoLive. Um, I'm also the co-founder of Conscious CoLiving, um, so head of impact and innovation there, and then uh, managing partner of CoLiving Ventures. And then I'll just kind of share real quickly. Uh, so Conscious CoLiving, we support impact-driven shared living businesses and communities to embed social value, uh, which is social, environmental, and financial value through uh, research-based content, education, and in consulting. Uh, so we offer different consulting uh, for, for co-living developers and operators. And we also publish a lot of different kinds of trainings or, or content and handbooks and things like that. And really at the core of our model uh, is, is creating spaces or helping create spaces that foster connection to self, others, and nature, and really embedding sustainability, well-being, and community into the core of those projects. Uh, then Coliving Ventures is the umbrella organization, kind of the uh, venture manager behind Coliving Insights, which is a digital publication and media platform for the Coliving sector, and Coliving Awards, which was the first Coliving award ceremony uh, that we did in partnership with Coliving this this past May. And uh, we are looking forward to doing the 2022 version too. We're starting to think about that as well. Um, so I can, I can share more about those uh, further down the line or after the presentation. Um, and yeah, I think to start off, I'm just going to give an introduction to what I consider shared living. And for me, co-living kind of fits within this wider umbrella of shared living. And this is how I've been referencing co-living and other forms of communal or collective living. Um, so this is actually quite an old article that uh, I wrote for Co-Live, I think it was back in 2017 or 18. Um, and it was really looking into these different models of shared living and how co-living fits into that. Um, so here we, we kind of define it as a, as a res residential housing alternative that accommodates three or more biologically unrelated people. Um, and here there are a bunch of different types of shared living. So you have these more intentional communities, you have like cooperative or co-housing, then you have like flat shares, uh, maybe more informal types of flat shares, eco villages, uh, student accommodation, and then kind of like senior living retirement communities. Um, so this is just like the wider umbrella of, 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 of different types of shared living communities and, and, and spaces. Um, 
And then within within shared living is uh, is is co living, and this is kind of a definition that we came up with uh, in partnership with Salto. Actually, we did a co living ecosystem report, and we defined different types of niches, different types of typologies within co living. Uh, so within within co living or within shared living, you have these different variations based on length of stay, based on the level of community, uh, based on the kind of intentions or visions or, or values of the community. And it kind of goes from these more like purpose-built shared living, which is uh, similar to what Bekar is doing. So similar to purpose-built shared accommodation or, or, or uh, ground-up accommodations or, or built to rent or multifamily. These are, these are different types of kind of shared living and alternative residential real estate assets. Uh, Co-living also has purpose-built shared living. So these are these are ground-up communities uh, that are that are created specifically for shared living. Um, then you have these kind of like network and aggregators where there may be several houses in in one neighborhood that are that are all tied together through usually some kind of app or some kind of technology. You have more intergenerational type of co-living, multi-generational. You have these kinds of homes, which are which are smaller, maybe between 15 and 25 uh, people per per home, uh, and it and it really goes with the in in comparison to a purpose-built shared living, where it might feel a bit more like a a larger hotel kind of vibe. The homes has a bit more of an uh, a more intimate vibe, um, and and the design is 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 very is uh very intentional very very curated uh and and i have some examples afterwards that i'll show you guys uh then you have like this kind of workation digital nomad uh maybe what what sergey was referring to kind of like these one-off projects um kind of like melnica space or another another example is 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 sunning co uh in, in in spain where they're very specific locations uh most likely somewhere uh kind of some paradise area by the beach or by the in in the rural countryside or in the mountains and uh they're they're very integrated into the local community uh, and and they're also inviting digital nomads people that are a bit more independent uh, for shorter stays uh, then you have these kind of like creative entrepreneur ones wellness ones impact driven ones so these these are just some of the the various typologies within within co-living and like I said they vary kind of based on on, on length of stay and vision. Um, so here I just wanted to show you guys compared to like hospitality hybrids, uh, like, like Zoku, for example, based in Amsterdam and now Vienna and Copenhagen service departments, which could be sort of an older cousin of, of co-living in a way, uh, built to rent, which is quite big in, in, in the UK and a lot of, uh, Western Europe and, and in the U S it's quite big. It's just called multifamily. And then here you have short sh shared living. Um, so shared living, some of the differentiating factors. Is, is it has various uh, lengths of stays from short to long term compared to some where that they're a bit more short to medium or medium to long, for example, in built to rent. Um, a high level of community uh, versus, for example, uh, service departments, which is more based on like um, it's more of like a built to sale, built to sell model, and, and it's a bit more enclosed, let's say. And, and hospitality hybrids, which have different varying levels of community, sometimes quite high as well. Um, wide wide variety of amenities and services, which which um, most of these do have have quite a wide variety. Um, some service apartments is a bit lower, and uh, yeah, most kind of hotel hybrids and and built to rent have quite a lot as well. And then shared living is 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 kind of this more affordable than other other rental options. It usually sits between uh, like a traditional flat share and uh, the price of a studio in 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 the relevant or in the local market uh, in the local neighborhood. So it offers usually a relatively more affordable model um, with with higher levels of services and and, and higher quality of living as well. Um, so doesn't really fit into traditional affordability quotas um, from, from most municipalities, but it's, it's relatively more affordable. So 
Um, so yeah, these are just different kinds of ways to think about shared living, to think about co-living. Um, and there's all these different kinds of niche classes. So like I said, the, these are these are like the purpose-built accommodation, purpose-built shared living. This is our domain. It's a gray star project based out of uh, Amsterdam and uh, large scale, several hundred beds. Um, this is one of the... the kind of classic examples uh, along with the collective, for example, in the UK of, of this kind of purpose-built shared living. Uh, and, it, and it seems to be quite similar to what Beckar, Beckar is doing as well. Um, then you have like these homes. Uh, so this is Cohabs in, in Brussels in Belgium. Uh, very intentional design, very playful design. Uh, it, it kind of feels a bit more like maybe your, your, your own home. Um, I'm actually here in Brussels right now. I'm going to visit them, one of their new locations tomorrow. Uh, really one of my favorite kind of designs within co-living. And it's because of the, the way that they make it quite playful and quite, uh, yeah, you, you, you have this strong sense of identity with, with the home um, through, because of its design, because of its curation. Um, then you have Haven, uh, which is more of like this wellness space. So this is one of the kind of niche, niche co-living, uh, whether it's entrepreneurs or wellness or, or impact driven. This is just one example of like the wellness ones in, in LA. Um, so a lot of focus of yoga, meditation, breath work, uh, eating well, eating vegan, that kind of thing. Um, then you have Sun Co., which is the one kind of digital nomad location model. This is based in Habea in, in, in Spain. Oh. Is that me? Excuse me. Sorry about that. I'll just close WhatsApp real quick. Um, yeah, so so Sun Co is one of these kind of location models, and then I think, and then and then this is one that's uh, up and coming called the Embassies of Good Living, and it's one of the intergenerational models that's that's coming out. So co living, uh, it's still still quite new for co living. Is these multi generational? Uh, you do have quite a lot of co-housing that's intergenerational, but in terms of like a professionally managed third party running a co-living space, uh, this is one of the newer, newer models. Um, so interesting, interesting project. We believe the quality of life is ageless. Um, yeah. And just kind of fits within this new, new aging uh, typology that that's, that's becoming a bit more popular. So um, real quickly, I wanted to talk about like the shared living experience. And this is another way to think about co-living. And it, it kind of goes uh, beyond one model or the other. Uh, so this is, this is just a, a way to think about the different types of experiences that are within a, a shared living space. Um, and the way that we've defined it is, is through the different, the varying types of spaces. Um, so you have this kind of private space, this semi-private space, a shared space and a public space. Uh, and this is, this is some interesting research that talks about different levels of, of intimacy. They call it like the, re the reaction bubbles. And uh, it's just looking at how people feel more comfortable within different uh, types of types of space and within uh, larger types of space. Um, so the, the, like, like I said, like the private is kind of like, uh, 0.5 meters, 1.5 meters is a semi-private, 3.5, 7.5. Uh, so it's just a way to relate different co-living spaces and, and, and the types of spaces within one, one co-living space and uh, the, the different varying levels of intimacy and, and kind of human needs. Um, so this is a, this is another way to look at it. Uh, just kind of like the 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 the, the private, the semi-private, the shared to, to public space. Uh, you can look at it with with the different types of needs met. So whether it's like social needs or more personal needs or or larger like public needs. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the public spaces are, are ones that are accessible to all. They're like, could be food and beverage spaces, uh, different lobby, lobby spaces. The shared spaces is usually more in the internal community, uh, but, but like kind of the, the disco rooms or the, or the co-working spaces that, that Beckar, that Olga was mentioning. The semi-private is more like the clusters. Uh, so could be smaller kitchen spaces, smaller living rooms that are being shared between smaller groups maybe five to 10 to 15 people. And then private is the, is the private bedroom. Um, so uh, there are also varying degrees of, of, of what this private looks like. Um, some are smaller than others. Some are pods, some are like Zoku 30 meters squared, um, for example. And actually this is, um, I hope this works, but this is a, this is a nice way to look at it. 
so this is like the 30 square meter studio room at Zoku, very intentional design, multi-purpose. Uh, it has, a, it has a kitchen, it has a working space over the pandemic. It's been used for not, a, not only stays like uh, ho hotel stays, but people renting it out to work, people renting it out to do team me meetings and things like that. Um, and then this is kind of like one degree of, of the, of the private space. And then this is another degree of, uh, yeah, let me, let me, of like sharing, let's say, or, or degrees of intimacy. So this is Hacker House in Paris. Um, and you could see that the, in terms of levels of intimacy, there are, are very few or as close to none. Um, and it's just an interesting kind of visual to think about the, the different degrees of, 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 of intimacy and sharing space. So here they're, they're all kind of one on top of the other. And then compared to the Zoku, where it's this very intentionally designed private space um, where, where you have pretty much everything you need. So, yeah, I mean, here are just some kind of quick, quick photos of like the, the, the private space only accessible to the individual, um, controlled by the individual. Here you can have moments alone or with close friends. Semi-private is smaller groups of people. There's some privacy control that can be maintained by these groups. Uh, and then you can have in more intimate conversations. So this is kind of like what you call buffer zones or clusters. Uh, then these are like larger shared areas uh, accessible to residents and used by varying degrees of uh, varying sizes of groups. And then the public, which is just kind of fully open, uh, open to local neighborhoods and, and just a lot of varying degrees of, 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 of sharing, um, but more kind of uh, close, close uh, sharing, close levels of sharing. Uh, yeah. And then, so one of the questions of this meeting is what are the kind of standards of co-living? And there aren't yet many standards. Um, some municipalities have defined their own standards for co-living. For example, London has their policy H18, which has its own recommendations and requirements for uh, mostly purpose-built shared living. So that is a good example of like a standard, but the what is co-living question, the definition of co-living is still quite nuanced um, as, as we've seen here. And one of the important ways to start heading towards these standardizations is what we believe is really measuring what you treasure. So, so uh, a lot of communities, a lot of co-living spaces are talking about community, they're talking about sustainability, talking about well-being, talking about collaboration, connection. Uh, but that it, it can, it, it's, it's good when it's strong branding and marketing, but it also needs to kind of be backed up. So when I say measure what your treasure, I'm really talking about uh, defining different KPIs and metrics to measure your impact, to measure your community strength, to measure the well-being of your, your residents and locals. And this is something that we're, we're developing uh, with Conscious Co-Living based on R&D and based on best practices throughout the, throughout the real estate sector. So this is from the UK Green Building Council, and this is how they measure uh, what they call social value. So social, environmental, and uh, financial value. And they're really looking at how buildings, how new buildings uh, they, they have different public benefits, including like jobs and economic growth, health and well-being and the environment and strength of the community. Um, so this is a really great report. It, it's, it's from 2018, but it's still one of our favorite standards, our favorite resources, uh, really looking at how to measure social value uh, within, within the built environment. Here's another great one uh, from uh, a company called One Planet Living. They, they are basing their different standards of, of housing, of, of different kind of living accommodations on the UN SDGs, on the UN Sustainability Goals, Development Goals. And they have their own range of criteria as well of, of what makes a, hap, a, a happy and healthy home. Um, so here you have health and happiness, uh, like strength of local community, culture, land use, sustainable water. So a mix of kind of like social, environmental and financial uh, value as well. Um, and, and it's a really nice standard or a really nice resource. Um, 
Then this is one of the ones that are like putting this in practice. It's a co-living community called Venn. They're based out of Tel Aviv. I have locations in Berlin, in Kansas City, and in in Brooklyn, and in New York. And they're looking at a lot of these things. So uh, life satisfaction, for example, the the local businesses that they support, uh, the the reduction of loneliness within their members. Uh, So they're, they're one of the examples of co-living spaces that are measuring what they're what they're what they treasure um and it's and it's quite a good example and then these are some of the metrics that we're defining within conscious co-living based on our manifesto that i showed earlier so really looking at thriving communities human flourishing which is uh individual and collective well-being and then environmental sustainability uh so there's a bit more information on this um on on our, on our website I'll, I'll share the presentation so you can find the links um but these are just some some examples of how, how to measure what you treasure. And, and I won't exactly go into all of them uh, right now, but um, yeah, uh, that, that's pretty much it. I just wanted to share like three last resources. Uh, so this is the first edition of Co-Living Insights. We're now on our seventh edition, but this edition really looks at uh, different typologies of co-living. And we did a SWOT analysis of 27 different co-living operators. And we're really, we're really looking at the, the different kinds of USPs and, and, and differentiating factors of each of these businesses. So it's a good place to start when you're thinking about like, what is co-living and what are some of the standards of co-living? Um, and this is, I mean, it was out in 2019, so it's a bit, bit older, but it's still a good reference. Um, this is another good reference to look at what is community and co-living. And this is a handbook that we launched last year with, with, uh, in collaboration with Art of Co., and um, really looking at how to facilitate community within co-living spaces. Uh, and some of the people here, including Nikita, were part of the contributors. Um, so it was kind of this open source resource. We tapped into a lot of uh, insights from different, different community members, uh, different community builders, different experts around the world. And then finally, this is the uh, introduction to co-living ecosystem that I mentioned earlier, the uh, report that we did with Salto, uh, which, which looks at these different kinds of typologies, co-living typologies uh, from, from kind of like an investor perspective, uh, an operations perspective, and a user perspective. Uh, so yeah, you can, I've, I've added the links here. So when we share the presentation, you guys can, can download them then. And that's about it. So thank you very much. It's very great. Uh, finally, finally, we have a source, we have a place and we have an exact man where we all can uh, go into and ask. Uh, so please show us. Uh, Matthew, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sergey. Pretty Olga didn't stay to hear this perfect presentation that will answer to many questions uh, she and Becca has, but we will send her um, the presentation and your contacts. I'm sure she will have dozens of questions. Yeah, cool. cool, cool. Yeah. Can you show a slide as uh, it was previous to One Planet Living? Uh, I uh, had a question about uh, this. Uh, I understand that it's not uh, your research, but it was interesting. If you can. Yeah, yeah. Let me just uh, get it again. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's not the best picture that I have of the, of them, but. Um, yeah, let me be right there. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can find a better image. Da-da. Okay, I'm going to share the screen. This one's pretty good. So uh, not this, but uh, the previous. Um, uh-huh. This one. Uh, yes, this. Uh, And here we see uh, vertical lines. Uh, There is investment, planning, design, construction, operation. So the construction is empty on all of the layers. Uh, What what does it mean? How do you think? So so, uh, this is just a screenshot of the report. um, And this is 4.2. They have 4.1, 4.2, 4.3. Um, and the report goes through the different development life cycles, uh, so from investment all the way to operations. Um, and this is just one example of, of like the health, well-being environment. There's there's a second page where they do where they do analyze construction stuff. Um, 
And within that, I think they look at like the well-being of the uh, of the staff, so construction workers, for example, uh, and then also what they consider uh, like biodiversity net gain. So ensuring that when you're developing a new building, that there's uh, more sort of biodiversity going into the construction than what you t- than what you may have taken out. So if you're building a new build, sometimes you may get rid of some some vegetation or, or some of the biodiversity on, on the on the site. And biodiversity net gain is about adding that back, uh, whether that's through rooftop gardens or things like that. Um, so yeah, this 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 is a uh, sorry. It's just a it's just one example um, of, of of a screenshot. But within the report, they do they do go through. They do have quite a bit on construction. Okay, thank you. And we can, uh, we'll uh, see this report on the link uh, on the top of the page. Yeah, yeah. yeah? exactly. Yep. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I can, I can share it in the, in the group if you want as well. So, colleagues, do you have questions uh, or something, comments? Um, hi, hi, Matt. Okay, uh, I will ask your voice. Yeah. I know I was like, is it just me or not? Yeah. <laughs> I know I think it's gone a bit. Nikita, come back. Okay, maybe we can jump on someone else until oh. he comes back. Yes, I'm I'm back. Oh, okay. Hey. Um, so yes, the question was um, maybe I missed it in the research. So is there, you think, like a sustainable size for a co-living or for like, you know, like one big object or for one small group? Uh, what is like a... Mm, I think I lost part of the question, but is there, is there a sustainable size is, I think, the, the gist of the question. Um, but yeah, I think you broke out a little bit. Um. Yeah, I mean that's it's a it's a, it's a tough question. Uh, I think you can have quite large co-living spaces, like the purpose-built shared living, um, as long as you're quite intentional about the design of the space. So if you're if you're considering these different levels of intimacy, like our sharing, or these kind of like spectrums of 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 intimacy and of interactions, uh, I think that there could be, yeah, it could be quite a big complex with, with a, several hundred rooms, but maybe there are some, some micro clusters. So maybe there are some smaller apartment sizes where there's five to 20 people sharing some smaller shared spaces like kitchen or living room uh, or working space, things like this. And then larger communal areas open to the wider public. So uh, at the moment there is like, There's there's research uh, which a lot of people know about this this Dunbar Dunbar number uh, from evolutionary biologist Robert, Robert Dunbar, uh, which says the sweet spot is around 150. But uh, he also talks about yeah that that's for like a more kind of intimate relationship um, and that there are various levels of of these of these relationships. So five to fifteen where you have closer relationships, 150 is more about uh, knowing each other's names, knowing maybe some a little a, a little something about their background, uh, recognizing their face, but maybe not more intimate relationship than that. Mm-hmm. And then I think when you get between 150 and 500 uh, or a thousand or you, you you kind of still fit with in that that uh those those levels uh, of relationship so um yeah there's not there's not too much uh research on that i actually just came across something quite interesting um it's called micro solidarity and it's a theory of groups and groups of groups so it's it's kind of like a backup of of dunbar dunbar's law in a way um yeah i just came across it actually from uh from luca Christian and Kate. I saw Luca in Amsterdam and uh, we were talking about this micro solidarity. So it's quick. I haven't dived into it yet, but it's, it, it seems like a, another interesting research that, that backs up these kinds of cluster sizes, these, uh, yeah, this, this Dunbar, Dunbar's law kind of thing. And it talks about uh, partnerships, talks about crews, which are a bit bigger. Uh, then it talks about congregations and then crowds. Uh, and it's it's about sort of creating crews 
from crowds and then crews that support these bigger crowds or congregations. Uh, so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. I also just like, I, I had this thought that this may be, um, I like the idea of like smaller, uh, close tight relationship groups, like five to 15, 20 people. I totally share that. And if there's like bigger groups and if you're building, I think like a bigger co-living space, it might be interesting if like the, I imagine like different like circles of uh, things that people have in common. And so like the, the bigger groups, they still have some things in common, like with the smaller group. Uh, but then there's like shared things that the bigger groups share between each other and then they might be connected to like a bigger group too. So, you know, kind of like a community ideas and values that people share between the groups and part of like a bigger group there. in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, a good example is like Coliv is a quite a large group at this stage. Mm-hmm. This is like the Russian ambassadors group. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, there's Salto is another group within Coliv, <laughs> independent to Coliv, but it's it's another type of like group. Um, Conscious Coliving is another group, you know, mm. um, within Coliv. So, yeah, I think I yeah, think so there's there's still connection between the the whole thing, but each each one is connected more to the other thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and then yeah. each one uh, like contributes in a different way as well. You know, I think that's what this micro solidarity article Mm -hmm. talking about. It's quite interesting. Thank you. Mm. (laughs) Thank you, Nikita. Thank you, Matt. Uh, So uh, when I was listening to your presentation, I thought maybe there is no war. At all, maybe we shouldn't uh, make a, a next uh, meetup uh, by this topic uh, because you showed the uh, largest variety, uh, and uh, every Kalivin, if even it is not a Kalivin, as we understand it, for example, it's a village. Village can say, "Oh yes, I'm Kalivin, and I." Um, go into this point of uh, your map and uh, it's okay. So how do you think, uh, should we um, continue to argue about um, uh, the co-livings and four livings? Uh, uh, how do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, a tricky thing to measure or, or, or evaluate. But uh, for example, there was a question about co- student student housing. Like, is that co-living? Um, and in a way, I see it as a part of as as a shared living model. Uh, and in a way, co-living kind of came after shared living, uh, or or what we know as co-living now. So co-living is is learning a lot from like uh, purpose-built shared accommodation, especially in terms of the investment criteria and like the yields and stuff like that. Uh, it's 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 being based quite a lot on student accommodation and even like built to rent. Um, so, in a way, I think, yeah, it's, it's a form of shared living, of collective living. Um, places like the student hotel have like a very dynamic atmosphere, and uh, which is quite similar to co-living. And yeah, I think it's it could be even be called like student co-living in a way. Um, so, uh, I I think it is important to look at uh the things like 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 is 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 this space really instilling a sense of community is it investing into like community managers or into events um both financially and and with human resources uh, i think it's important to look at those kind of things to to see whether or not they're really like kind of putting their their money where their mouth is in a way um, but I think that could be, it could be a hybrid host, host, uh, hospitality brand like Zoku, or it could be a student co-living, or it could be like the collective or, or, or Bekar or someone like Smena Station or, or you guys in Melnica space, you know? Um, so yeah, I think, I think the, what, what ties it all together is this, like, is the user experience, is the, is the focus on like, uh, customer satisfaction, customer experience, user experience, resident experience, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but that's definitely one of the s- strongest underlying factors between all of these, I would say. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, I don't have a, a, a definitive answer for you, but that's, <laughs> that's my, est- my guesstimate. My, my <laughs> yeah. Okay. Kate, yeah. what do you think? 
Hmm. <laughs> as the as yes, the, and as we the, need uh, your voice. Yeah. Did you say Kate? Sorry, I didn't hear. You I'm said sorry. Kate, right? Yes, we said Kate. Uh, what do I think on what? Because Matthew said so many things. <laughs> uh, what is your opinion about the difference between core and four leavings and what we should do with this topic? What we should say as an association and the experts for uh, people who ask us uh, where's the difference? Well, that's, that's, that's another event maybe we can put on where we can discuss all of this instead of uh, just discussing it now. But I think everybody has a slightly different opinion. And um, for me personally, at least, at least Colivine, and this is not speaking through from Colive point of view, this is more like uh, me, as in Kate. Um, it, it, it can be so many things. And anything that starts with co, at least for me, which is Colivine, co working co-housing even, collaboration, cooperation, and everything makes such a difference in the world. Community. I don't know if it's a coincidence that everything starts with co. Probably not. I mean, for sure, co-living is, you know, community living and co-housing is community housing. But a lot of other things start with the same two letters. And um, I guess every time I listen and I hear it, it reminds me of that. And that is, for me, something that is very important. I don't know if that makes sense at all. Okay, I mean, you. I can see Matthew nodding a bit, so hopefully it does. No, it does. I mean, we're the, we're the ones who kind of mm. thought of this 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 full living idea. So, yeah, it is. It is. I think, like what you're saying, Kate, like the co and co living is is quite important. Um, and some people make it uh, other other things that are. Some people make it like different ways than others so for some people it may be corporate co-living or corporate living some people it may be convenient living you know and uh what i think we're sort of advocating for is more like communal collective connected connecting conscious co-living in a way so yeah. that's yeah that's kind of what we're advocating but there are different models so uh, that's what that's what keeps the world beautiful, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can, because everybody everybody does something different, and we can learn. Le we can all first of all collaborate, and secondly, we can all learn from each other, which I think is very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there is uh, one more question that we just had a hint of discussing, and that, to my opinion, needs more time or even a separate. Meet up. It's because uh, it's about um, separate non-network, small and medium-sized co-livings. Uh, because all the systematization that we saw today, um, it looks like it's all about um, large to huge um, properties. But uh, as you know, uh, most of the co-livings um, here in Russia are just small ventures. Um, up to 50 people may be living there and it could be rented houses or rented flats. Um, Vekar is the only uh, one so far who is uh, consciously building a building for a living. Uh, most of the market is uh, renovating uh, existing property into a living. Uh, and the, there is a, the whole army of uh, living owners who um, own this, uh, maybe a single co-living dedicated to people who think uh, the same. Um, the question is, do they need um, classification or standardization or, or, or anything else? And the, the major question is how they will survive, provided that the network of um, large newly built co-livings will exist. I think it's uh, it would be useful to look at an international experience as well, uh, just to give um, an orientation um, to current owners of small co-livings. Where is their future? Where should they go? Make an association, uh, enter into um, an association with other co-livings. There is no answer to that, but I think it's an interesting topic to discuss.
Thanks again for joining us today. And from all of us here at CoLive, we hope you learned a lot and maybe even picked up a few pieces of wisdom to help expand the co-living movement. To check out the CoLive membership that will allow you to connect with other leading co-living professionals, or even just to stay updated on future podcasts and upcoming events, head over to colive.org. Again, that's co-liv.org. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode.